630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's Friday. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, happy Friday, everybody. How about this? Edmonton's Caitlin Osman has become the first Canadian woman since 1973 to win the World Figure Skating Championship. She did that this afternoon in Milan, Italy, a near-perfect program for Osmond. Seven triples. She only had one minor deduction. Olympic champion Alina Zagatova had the lead going into the free skate, but she fell three times. Osmond outstanding today. She gets it done. The last Canadian woman to win world's karen magnuson so osman who of course trains at west edmonton mall and won bronze in the olympics last month now adds a world championship to her resume great stuff my name is reed wilkins inside sports on oilers and eskimos radio 6 30 chet next oilers game is tomorrow they're going to host the los angeles kings we'll have the face-off show at 6 30 the game will start at 8 nhl action tonight canadians and sabers scoreless early in the second period after the first period Penguins up 1-0 on the Devils. Crosby with his 25th of the season. Coming up later tonight, the Ducks and the Jets. Well, they're actually just getting going. Looks like Line A is going to play for Winnipeg. Canucks and Blues just getting started. And a little bit later on, Boston is at Dallas. At the Women's World Curling Championship in North Bay, final game of the round robin for Team Canada. They're trying to finish off 12-0, undefeated so far. And they lead the United States 3 two after three ends. We'll keep you updated on that one as well. Uh, Pleased to hear from you tonight. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Well, how about this? I already got a text about Caitlin Osmond. Julie says, after watching her at the Olympics, the fact that she beat those Russians is so impressive. Congratulations to Caitlin. Absolutely. Good stuff there. And uh, obviously, we'll uh, we'll welcome uh, Caitlin back on Inside Sports as soon as, uh, soon as we can. A lot going on for her right now. The Oilers were able to win three out of four on that road trip. The last two games lopsided victories as they pulled away from both Carolina and Ottawa. Obviously, too late for the Oilers to make the postseason. They were able to beat up on a couple of other teams who are having tough years, and uh, the development with the top line, pretty interesting. And here comes McDavid, up to Ty Ratty, four on two for Edmonton. Ratty a pass, slightly off the mark, Nugent Hopkins centers, McDavid shoots and scores! Off the draw, Ratty works it free, McDavid bursts in, saucer pass, one-timer score! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and even strength comes right back! Now the Oilers, another three on one, McDavid walks in right circle, juggles back door, one-timer score! Ty Ratty buries it, and the Oilers strike again! A drop pass for McDavid, right around Hoffman to the net, Rishon scores! 
four. Beautiful move by Connor McDavid. He's got two goals and two assists, and the Oilers out to a 6-2 lead. And, of course, 6-2 would be the final. McDavid, two goals, two assists. Now one off the points lead in the NHL behind Tampa Bay's Nikita Kucherov. The Lightning will play the Devils tomorrow night. It's interesting, uh, too, to watch that playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Taylor Hall, that outstanding season for New Jersey, almost single-handedly pulling them into a playoff spot. It's really close now between the Devils and the Panthers. New Jersey with a one-point lead for the last playoff spot in the East. Florida does have a game in hand, and despite that loss to the Oilers a few days ago, the uh, Panthers have been incredibly hot over the last 23 or 24 games. That might be the most interesting race to watch down the stretch. I mentioned the Devils losing to the Penguins tonight, playing the Lightning tomorrow and uh, the Panthers will be hosting the Coyotes tomorrow so some games to keep an eye on there very interesting what's going on with that Oilers top line I know Ryan Nugent Hopkins was being uh, pushed by uh, it was hoped by many of you that he would get a chance with Connor McDavid at some point after usually Leon Dreisaitl being a player up being the, the main player up there with McDavid for most of the last two years and then the other wing has obviously been well, rotating for a, for a long time, either the left or the right side. Strom, Lucci, you know, going back to last last year, Eberle, Maroon was there on the left side. Uh, this year, you've had Maroon up there with Drysdale, McDavid at times, Lucic up there, uh, Pugliarvi limited, not a lot. I still wouldn't mind, or wouldn't have minded seeing him get some time there as well. He's been doing okay uh, on a different line with Strom and Lucic. But yeah, Raddy looking very, very good. Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, and I and I know somebody reminded me today said, "Hey, Reed, you know, a couple of weeks ago." you were telling people to, to cool it with the whole Nugent Hopkins and, and McDavid stuff. And and you're right. I, I, I was I was saying that and the, the angle I was coming from was was it, you know, the end of the world if Nugent Hopkins didn't get a shot there this year? Or like did it have to happen for Nugent Hopkins to prove his worth? Because Dry Settle and McDavid are, are a pretty good combo. Uh, McDavid and Nugent Hopkins are a pretty good combo. I think if you play two like-minded offensive players together, they should be able to produce points if if they have the same sort of creativity, they see passing lanes to get pucks to each other, they're able to put touch on their passes, and obviously they're able to finish, and Nugent Hopkins and McDavid have been doing that very well. The line combinations are always going to be fluid. I think they're, they're important. I think sometimes... When when we talk about them, and I'm including myself in this, we might maybe get a little too hung up on them because a line can have a burst for six or seven games and you think they're great and then they go dry for three or four and you think that they're the, the, the worst line in the history of hockey. But I think with the way the Oilers are, are put together now, and it's it's far from a championship-caliber roster, I don't know if they're... Well, they might wind up with... I mean, they could get to the 36, 37 wins. We'll see how they play over their last eight games. They're not going to obviously have a very good record. They might have a pretty decent record over the last 20 or 25 games, depending on how they do. But if you have those three guys, and I sure as heck hope they have these three guys for a long time, because I think Nugent Hopkins is a very good, well-rounded player who really has progressed. I hope he's a guy they hang on to. I realize he's a team other other teams may ask for, 
But as I've said when talking about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if, if for some reason you trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you're immediately looking for a player like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And the Oilers have been down that road with other trades, and I don't want to get into every single trade that Shirelli's made over the last couple of years, but you know they've had to give up some pretty good players to, to fill in other holes in the lineup and or to free up some money. But I think with Nugent Hopkins, I really hope they can make it work. I think in terms of how the, the lines are structured, I think for the Oilers to be successful, those three guys, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Dreisaitl, have to be on your top two lines. I think in terms of which pair is actually together, it can probably vary depending on who your other forwards are and who's riding a hot streak at the time. I mean, McDavid and Dreisaitl had had some amazing games together over the last couple of years, and, and they've had some dry spells together. So the, there's now at least some flexibility to put two of those guys on the same line, hopefully with a complementary winger who can think the game and think offensively at somewhat the same level that they do. And so far, Raddy's been able to do that, and I want to talk about him tonight too. And then the other guy you know can be pretty good on his own line. And to me, this even includes, heck, maybe Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins are on the same line at some point. And, and McDavid's a center with two other guys. That's the beauty of it, is that you have a lot of combinations, and then, hey, you're down 4-2 with three minutes left. You put all three of them out together, call a timeout halfway through, and they, and they go for the end of the game and try to tie it. So I, I think, I, I, to me, I'm not too... I'm not too married to one combination or, or another because I think it's always going to be in flux. I think there's always going to be hot streaks, cold streaks. The quality of the opponent's going to make a difference. But I, I think for the Oilers, those two guys, those three guys, pardon me, should always be on the top two lines. I, I don't know now if, if you necessarily need them as, as three centers. Though, again, that's yet another option to go to depending on how Strom and Carrier are playing or, or who else the Oilers employ in the future. It, it is a time of season where we, where we have to be careful, I think, about reading too much into success. The pressure's off for the Oilers. Um, yes, they beat Florida, and that was an important game for Florida. So the Oilers, you know, played better than them on that day, Couldn't weren't quite good enough against Carolina, and pounded a couple teams that y- y- at the very least should beat. Uh, whether or not you're pounding them or not. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a blowout, but they they did their jobs the last two games, so you give them credit for that. Your feedback is welcome, 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. We'll talk a little bit more about Ty Ratty. You'll hear from him, Nugent Hopkins, and McClellan. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. A little bit of Eskimos news today, actually. Jason Moss is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Eskimos this coming season. Carson Waltz left the Eskimos to join the Philadelphia Eagles as an assistant receivers coach, so Moss will be head coach and OC. Eskimos, uh, geez, they have a preseason game in, what, two months? May 27th, I think, is a preseason game already. We'll have it for you here on 630 Chet. Going to get to Lee on the phone line in a second. Some text to 630-630. This texter says, The Nuge reminds me of a better version of Jonathan Taves in his prime. Wow, that's high praise. Uh, He's looking good. 
we'll hold off on the Taves comparison, but uh, Nuge has been playing well this season. Too bad he missed some time with uh, the injury. Josh in the park says, I feel like the Oilers need Nugent Hopkins. Yes, next year. I really hope they can make it work with the cap issues the Oilers will have this coming year. Jay says, do you think the Oilers will pass the Flames in points this season? Wow. I would still say unlikely. The Oilers have 71 points with eight games left. The Flames have 80 points with seven games left. So, uh, yeah, that's that's still going to be tough. I mean, Edmonton's maximum point total would be, uh, what are we looking at here? 71 plus 16, that's 87. So Calgary would only need three wins and an overtime loss to get to uh, 87, and Edmonton would have to go undefeated. Calgary's not looking good, and it looks like Sean Monaghan's going to be shut down for the season as he's been dealing with a couple of injuries. Uh, this texter says the Oilers should get Skinner as the second-line left winger to play with Dreisaitl, also get a Silverberg type for added right-side depth. That's the kind of wingers they need instead of Lucic. I know it's wishful thinking, but still, and that texter adds an LOL at the end. Uh <laughs> Well, Skinner and Silverberg would look pretty good on most teams. Uh, Bretsky says, two things I would like to see in the remaining games. Let Raddy and Bear play as much as possible. As well, I, I would like to see anyone but Connor and Leon on the same power play. They pass too much, not enough shooting with Connor and Leon. That is from Bretsky. Well, that's been a complaint to both the Oilers' power play this season. And uh, we got a guy who really hates the Nuge here. I don't know if he's serious or not. You guys are desperate about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Too little, too late. He gets an empty net goal and two lucky shifts. And now you think there's light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. Well, probably a minority opinion, but uh, he's welcome to have it. 780-496-0063. We have Lee on the line. Lee, happy Friday. What's going on? Hey, how are you doing? Good. So everyone's talking about who plays good with who. Nugent Hopkins plays good with everybody. And if you think about it, what if Drysdale or McDavid go down and you've already traded Nuge, who's going to take that center role? Having the extra centerman is like, it's gold. It's gold. Put him on the wing. Let him excel. He'll be a point-of-game guy for $6 million a year. So you, so you would you would have them because I because I think you have, you should play those those three guys on the top two lines. I, go with whatever yeah. combination is hot. For sure. 100%. And then if Connor or Leon gets hurt, you still have a centerman. Right. But well, if you trade him for someone like Hoffman or Pacioretty, like everyone's saying, then you don't have that option. Well, and it's interesting, Lee, because I know, I know everybody is complaining about Hall and Eberle, and they're putting up a lot of points. I mean, Eberle's team isn't going to make the playoffs. Hall's might. Not that that doesn't mean that they still haven't done well individually. But you got to remember, when the Oilers had Hall and Eberle, everybody still said that they were weak down the middle because all they had was Nuge, right? And, and Nuge had to cover for them every shift. Like, he was the only one that played a 200-foot game out of the three. Well, he's he's a he's become a pretty good all-around player. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be as explosive as Hall is offensively. And Hall, like Hall's a very good player. Everly, I mean, Everly is Everly. He gets points. He doesn't have a great checking game. But I, I I would love to see all three guys on this team if for years to come. And I think any two of them together on the same line can be productive. And why would you even think about doing anything before the draft? You could win the lottery and get Zadina or Svechnikov or Tchuk. You know, 
then all of a sudden there's a hole filled. Or you get Rasmus Dallin, and then you got a good young defenseman to go along with some other guys who are hopefully going to bounce Rasmus, back. If I got Rasmus, I would probably trade. Well, actually, with the expansion draft, I'd take him because he'll be protected, right? Oh, you take which guy? If Rasmus, if I got him, maybe I thought I'd trade down. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, just because he's going to be another Connor McDavid style contract. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, potentially. But at the same time, you want him for the expansion draft because we're going to lose another great player, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think we're speaking the same language about uh, about Nugent Hopkins. He's, he's, uh, he's become a very appreciated player, so hopefully that continues. Lee, thanks for calling. They should look at uh, Kovalchuk or Zuccarello, someone where it's not going to cost anyone off their roster to fill that hole. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Zuccarello is an interesting one. I don't know about Kovalchuk. Because wouldn't he, st- he still has that contract, doesn't he? It's over this summer. Oh, it's over this summer. Okay. All right. Thanks, Okay, Lee. I'll let you get back to it. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, this texture says, did you see the video that's out of the of Shirelli and the Bruins Brain Trust making a decision on trading away Sagan? I thought NHL front offices would be run more smartly, but holy cow, how are any of these guys employed? I have not seen that video yet, but uh, I do want to watch it. I've seen it out there. I forgot to watch it yesterday. Uh, Gator says, Nugent Hopkins is the Oilers' best two-way player. <laughs> Most of these people criticizing Nuge only played hockey on a gaming console. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but if you set it to easy, you could score like 100 goals in a season with one guy. All right. <laughs> you can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. Uh, we got Rocket on the line. Hey, Rocket, I got about a minute here for you, buddy. Yeah, no worries. How you doing? Good. Um, I just want to say I, I agree with the last caller, and and you know what? Hopkins and McDavid have not played together, and I have thought forever that these guys need to play together. And they really, they really, and and obviously, you know, the other, whoever the other guy is, um, Ratty or whoever is going to play on that wing is going to benefit from those two. They really, I think they really see the game very well together, and it's something that we've never been able to do because of, uh, you know, who we had in the lineup and, and other situations, injuries and that sort of thing. And I really like this pairing. And I think if we, I think we keep this pairing together and then dry sidle drives his own line and then you figure out the rest of the pieces from there, I think that's a good model to go with. And I don't think you should change it. I think McDavid was frust- has been frustrated all year not having like a set guy to play with. I sense that in the interview that, that he had last night with uh, Gene Principe. So uh, I don't know if you heard it or not, but... Uh, I didn't get to hear it. I just heard about it that he said something like we change lines a lot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like just, you know, it's like never more than five games or something like that, right? And you look at like other teams like Dallas and Sagan and Ben, you know, they, they play together for 40 games and I think he really like would like to see something like that. And I think Hopkins is the guy to do it. Thanks, Rocket. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Quick timeout for the news, and we're coming back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. All right, we're just talking about the Nuge Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad. 
Three-game homestand here for the Oilers. L.A. tomorrow, Anaheim on Sunday, Columbus on Tuesday. Of course, we have them all for you here on 630. Chad, NHL tonight. Canadians lead the Sabres 1-0 late in the second period. The Devils have exploded for three in the second period. Now they lead the Penguins 3-1. Blues up 1-0 on the Canucks in the first period. Ducks and Jets 1-1 in the first. Line A is playing Nick Ehlers with the goal for Winnipeg. Bruins take on the Stars right away. Women's World Curling. After five, Canada leads the United States 4-2. Canada trying to finish the round robin undefeated. This is their last game. They're going in 11-0. Got a text here. Oh, now I can't find it. Sorry, guys. Well, first of all, Kellen, oh, Kara says, uh, I don't know if it's Kara or Kara. Hi, Reed. Thanks for covering all sports and including female athletes on your show. Mentioned off the top that Caitlin Osmond, Edmonton figure skater Caitlin Osmond, won Worlds in Italy. First Canadian woman to win Worlds since 1973. However, Kellen, mm-hmm. uh, while we get a uh, compliment about that, we should also balance it out. We got a complaint. We did. What was the nature of the complaint that was called into you? Uh, that we spoiled the program for an individual tonight who had PVR in it, or or who was going to watch it. I guess they're running it on tape delay later on right. tonight. Well, we did a bad thing. Well, I did a bad thing. I shouldn't include you in that. But I, I felt like I needed to mention it. She won. It was great. Uh... Trucker Dave says, uh, Hi, Reed, Nuge, and McDavid look good together. They are giving Oilers fans excitement for the end of the year. Nuge has the talent to run with it. This texture says, LOL, it's like we discovered plutonium. The question is, why did it take so long to put McDavid and Hopkins together? McClellan has always been changing guys around. He hasn't had set lines since he's been coaching in Edmonton. He should have figured out the lines a long time ago. I think... I'll, I'll kind of be on both sides of that text because it's fair enough. Maybe that's a combination that could have been tried earlier. Now, Nuge did miss a quarter of the season with an injury, so it wasn't possible to try it. But you got to remember, no team has set lines. And I remember when the Oilers lost to Nashville a few weeks ago, uh, We Rob and I had a lot of calls after the game complaining about McClellan either you know switching the lines about not switching the lines because the Oilers lost the game and then we had a post-game interview from Peter Laviolette the Nashville coach who in his interview said god I kept trying different line combinations because nothing was working and then we finally caught up and won in the third period so you know I think you don't notice as much with teams you don't cheer for how often that the lines might get swapped around a little bit or tinkered with it it, it is pretty common but you know, fair enough. When you're having a losing season, the, the line combinations are always going to be criticized. I'll get to a couple of other texts later, 6.30, 6.30. Jonathan Willis from the Athletic Edmonton is on the line. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. How have you been? I've been well, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. We uh, sometimes converse behind the scenes, usually when I uh, either totally agree or totally disagree with something you write or put out on Twitter. Those are always uh, fun conversations to have, so thanks for coming live uh, on the show tonight. Uh, pr- pretty exciting for McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. I know we got to be, you know, it's it's late season stuff, so you always got to be uh, you got to be careful with it. What, what do you think about the deployment of those three guys? Because I think Dreisaitl Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, I think two of them can be on the same line. To me, it doesn't matter so much who, as long as you have two who are clicking together at any other time, and the other center can be the second line guy. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and I think that you know, between if, assuming they keep them all over the summer, which I, I think they probably should do, uh, you could go into next year and and have Nugent Hopkins play with McDavid some of the time, and have him play with uh, Leon Drysaddle some of the time because that's been a very successful pairing when they've run them together as well. Uh, I, I think I that the the way they're going now, they're kind of committed to having McDavid and Drysaddle on different lines, and Nugent Hopkins proving that he can play on the wing. It just make it, it kind of kicks out the uh, the rug from anybody who is saying you know you got to trade him because you can't have three centers making this much money. Well, I, I don't know if you remember that interview Shirelli did before the season. It was in Penticton when the when the optimism was was through the roof. And hey, I mean, I thought the Oilers would be in the playoffs. Of course, I did. Uh, but Shirelli said you can have three forwards making that amount of money. Unfortunately, the glitch in there could be Lucic because he makes six million million dollars. But I, I think there's a, there's a way to work that in, and maybe there's a ratty or ratty type guy who can be a veteran who can uh, mentally play with those two guys. Because to me, that's how Ratty's doing it now. It's it's as much with his awareness as it is with his physical ability. Yeah, I, I, well, and, and we've seen that work elsewhere, right? Like if you can run two good forwards as a pairing and then have a third guy who's maybe not as skilled as the first two but but can contribute in a complementary way. We've seen that be effective in, in other NHL cities, and I think that's the goal for Edmonton. Uh, ideally, either maybe, maybe Lucic is the guy or maybe it's somebody you go out and get over the summer, but uh, ideally I think Edmonton goes into next year with, with four good forwards to build their their top six around and, and then find guys like Ratty or, or young guys like Yamamoto or Puliyarvi and uh, and rotate them through on on the other wing. Yeah, Yamamoto could be the the wild card. Two points a game since coming back from the World Juniors. Oh, yeah, so and I mean he she should be dominating the WHL. So that's that that that's good. That that bodes well. We'll see if he can carry it over into the NHL. I don't know how quickly he will, but but I think he'll be a decent player. I actually wanted well, and, to and people people sorry, kind ahead. of forget about Yam. Sorry, uh, Yamamoto because he was such a, an old birthday in his draft class. Like he's going to be twenty in camp next year. So that uh, certainly you know he's more mature than than a typical guy in his draft class would be. Yeah, I believe it's five months between he and Puljujarvi. Yarvi. So yeah, very very close in terms of age. I actually wanted to have you on, Jonathan, to talk about the the other end of the lineup a bit as well and as, as you probably know I've praised Strom and Kara for their commitment to the penalty kill I really think they started to take some pride in it and, and have helped there I know they've, they've given up a couple goals the last two games but still overall really good here the last 17-18 games and I, I've I've kind of liked the way the lineup has looked a little better like we said with those three guys on the top two lines Strom on the third line and Kara on the fourth line he's had to slide in there since uh, Latestu got traded but you've you you've have some data that maybe suggests there there might be a better deployment for those two guys well the the interesting thing with Kara is I like I'm a big fan of Kara I have been since the start of the year and particularly on the penalty kill I think he's been a big part of the turnaround but when you look at his line combinations, the lines where he's been at center, like they get outshot, they get outscored pretty bad. Um, when, when he's played left wing, he's, he's had really great results, and, and particularly him and Strom together have had really good results. Okay, so you've liked Strom at center and Kerr as his left winger then? Yeah, well, and, and I think it kind of fits with the, the Todd McCullen approach, right, of having, having guys sort of share off on that, that traditional center defensive responsibility. 
and and maybe with Kyra and Strom both being you know relatively young guys, Strom's fairly experienced, but but with them being younger guys, maybe it uh, it works out a little bit better that way. Okay, that, that's that's interesting to me. And the the thing is, though, I mean, I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying, but I don't know who else you put on the fourth line right now, if not Kara. Yeah. I don't think you can put yeah. Packer in and Slepyshev and Kajula <laughs> together, right? Because like I think Kara has to at least be something solid in that fourth line role. Well, and 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 I mean, like we're like you said, you know, it's it's end of the season stuff. So why not give Kara a long look at center? Like he hasn't been there that long. The numbers aren't great so far, but. Uh, you know, maybe he he picks it up over the the next eight games, and and worst case scenario, he has those eight games of experience being being the man on the fourth line, right? Jonathan Willis joining us from the Athletic Edmonton Inside Sports on six thirty chat at six forty two. Okay, there was something else you you put out uh, of a very interesting hypothetical, and and I like and I like this kind of stuff, even though. I think it's a kooky idea that the league will never accept. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I'll, I'll tell you why. But give, give me the the Coles notes of your uh, of your ideal idea for for how the NHL should look. Well, the the way the work, the league works now, divisions kind of serve two purposes, right? They serve the the playoff seeding purpose, and then they serve the limiting travel in the regular season purpose. And and my idea is kind of to divorce that. Um, so you'd have divisions where you played teams that are near you a lot, but then when it came to the playoff time, the seeding would be one through sixteen, and uh, and you'd end up with the sixteen best teams in the playoffs rather than what you sometimes have now, where where qualified teams miss out because they're in a powerhouse division. Or, like last year, the second overall Pittsburgh Penguins play the fourth overall Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> in the first round, right? Yes, yes. The Metropolitan last year was uh, was a bit of a nightmare. So you're so you're saying for the regular season, the Oilers would still play their traditional regional rivals more than anybody else. You'd still get four or five against Calgary, four or five against Vancouver. I think you said Seattle once they're in the league. And I think Winnipeg was your other team. So you'd still have, and then you'd play everybody else twice like it is now. But for the playoffs, you'd just be ranked 1 through 31. Yeah, and and I, uh, yeah, I, but that's exactly it. And I think you can't get away from that in the regular season, and you wouldn't want to anyway. Um, I, I think it's just that there's a concern about, about good teams missing out on the playoffs. See, I think I, like I think the one through sixteen is great, but I I know what the pushback would be, that some team's gonna say, well, wait a minute, how come uh, how come uh, Toronto and Detroit got to play in the first round, and that's a quick little flight, and L.A. and the New York Rangers wound up paired together in the first round, right, and they had to go five hours back and forth and get tired for the second. Like I I, I think that would be the pushback. Yeah, and, and I think that's legitimate. Uh, what, <laughs> I was wondering about this because you, you made that comment on Twitter, and I thought to myself, one of the other ideas you sometimes hear about playoff seeding to make the, the regular season more worthwhile is is having the top eight teams um, pick their opponent in order, and that would that would be a, yeah. <laughs> a really interesting thing where the you know the team that wins the President's Trophy gets its choice of of playoff opponents, and and then so on down and. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that happening either, but it's kind of fun to think about. Not in the NHL. You're going to like this. I, I, I covered a league that did that. You know, I had Latestu oh, on really? the other night, and we were joking about his days. Well, not joking, but remembering his days and some of the wild moments when he played Junior B in St. Paul. I don't know if they do it anymore, but a couple years when I covered, it's called the Northeastern Junior B League. 
the yeah. top the top four teams got to pick their opponent. So number See, one, I love that stuff. yeah, number one got to choose five, six, seven, or eight. Then number two picked, and, and then number four was obviously left with whoever was left over. So if you lost in the first round, you like you really looked silly because you picked that team <laughs> and then they beat you. Well, and that's why they that's why they wouldn't do it in the NHL, right? You don't want to embarrass anybody. All right, uh, let people know because uh, I got a couple people texting in. Uh, what is the athletic? So I mean, it's I guess it's still relatively new, though it's been out there for a while. Let people know what it is, uh, how they can read your stuff, and how it's working. Yeah, so we're we're in our first year. Uh, things have gone really well. We we'd hope to be uh, a little further along, but for for various reasons, we haven't been able to uh, to, to get somebody in in Edmonton full time yet. But uh, that's that's going to change here shortly. Um, we're a subscription based site. No advertising, no clickbait, no autoplay videos, anything like that, and. Uh, just try and produce really high quality content that'll convince people to pay, you know, five bucks a month to read Pierre LeBrun and Craig Custance. And gosh, there's there's so many talented people and uh, and and also me from time to time. <laughs> right on. All right, Jonathan. Thanks for checking in. I, I also joked on Twitter I needed to ruin somebody's Friday night, so I picked you. <laughs> thanks for letting me do it. Oh, you know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> Take care, buddy. <laughs> you too. That's Jonathan Willis from The Athletic Edmonton uh, checking in here on Inside Sports. All right, you can text 630-630. i got to catch up on the text line. There is uh, open line time as well, 780-496-0063. Todd McClellan commenting on Ty Ratty's play, five points in his last four games. Well, we've got to remember, Ty's a, a pretty uh, offensively creative player, and uh, he has scored a lot in his career, especially through his junior days, and uh, maybe hasn't happened for him as much at the, the NHL level, but the opportunity he's getting now to play in the you know, in the top six or top three, and uh, the amount of ice time he's taking advantage of, so uh, I don't know if he's ever got that chance, uh, but he's getting it now, and we're finding out whether he can uh, sustain it, and that'll be the, the key for him, but he, he's fit that line well. Um, he thinks the game... Uh, at their level, and he puts himself in a good spot. All right, that's head coach Todd McClellan. 6.48, we're coming back after this break. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. This texture says Nugent Hopkins is the left winger to fill the need with McDavid, and he is now being considered to be traded. Will this organization ever start evaluating matters properly? This texture goes on to say, I wouldn't expect Talbot to play well consistently through the whole season. Yes, he will have good games, but not consistently. He is what he is now, some great games, but will not be able to do it on a consistent basis throughout the season. He's now a family man with twins. Well, I think, first of all, the talk about Nugent Hopkins being traded... I think a lot of that is speculation-fueled as opposed to reality-fueled. Now, I will say this. I have no doubt that Nugent Hopkins' name has come up in trade talks. I think 95% of the NHL has had their name come up in trade talks. Kelly Rudy said about a month ago on the show that when he was playing for the Kings, he talked to his GM and said, you know, we got Gretzky. We must have six or seven other guys who you wouldn't trade. And the GM said, Kelly, don't fool yourself. GMs are always talking about combinations, about possible deals, about who could be available for what price. Sure, Gretzky's not tradable, though I guess he did get sold, obviously, and well, and then traded later in his career. So 
you know, that's why I'm always reluctant to talk about trade rumors because there's probably something to them, but, you know, most of them don't don't pan out. I, I think Nugent Hopkins' name it comes up as, as possible trade rumors because a lot of other teams would like a player like that. And because of his salary and because we've seen Shirelli already trade some guys who made the same salary and who were pretty good players on the team. But I, I don't think it's like a slam dunk that, that's he going to be traded. As for the Talbot stuff, playing better lately, he, uh, he works hard. Anybody who has played with him as a teammate will tell you that. Now, don't forget, he did have the Twins last season. He, he was a dad last season. They were, they were born three games into the year. I, I, now, we'll see how he does next year. Uh, he has shown that he will work and, and do his darndest to, to bounce back from a bad stretch. I, I don't think we necessarily write him off because he's a father. I, I think that, that might be a little excessive. But I suppose time will tell. This texture, uh, Doug from Slave Lake says, do you think the book on the Oilers' power play read by the opposition states that they will not shoot unless they have a clear shot? So all they have to do is get in front of the shooter and they will pass off. Should this be the case, I might suggest that the D, like Nurse and Clefbaum, wind up and let it fly head high and soon the lanes will open. What are your thoughts on this? That is from Doug. Doug, I agree. And... Here's the thing. Now, look, I don't. I don't want to put too much on on Ethan Bear because I, I still think it's he'll probably play here the rest of the year. I still think it's best for him to at least start next season in the minors and, and continue to learn. But at times, when Ethan Bear has been on the power play, it's looked better because he has simply shot the puck. And he did it last night, the, the first minute of that power play against Ottawa, the one that actually looked pretty good and dangerous. No, not the, oddly enough, not the one they scored off. That was more of an off-the-rush type of goal. And there was one play, Bear just got it quickly, quick look at the net, half-slapper, got, got the puck through. I, I know there's a lot of talk, you need a bomb from the point, you need a bomb from the point. It certainly helps. There's no doubt about that, to have a high-velocity shot from the point. But, it all, but you also need just some sort of a shot from the point. And, and that starts with a willingness to do it. Simplify it. And what did Rob Brown say last night on overtime open line? When he was playing for Ken Hitchcock and the power play wasn't going well, Hitchcock said you're allowed one pass and then you shoot it. And players said, well, what if one pass and then you shoot it? Well, what if it's going to get blo- one pass and then you shoot it? That was the rule. And Brown said it helped because it creates chaos for the defending team and all the other four guys on the ice who don't have the puck are cocked and ready to shoot it. They're not thinking pass, they're thinking shoot first. And yes, the Oilers' power play has too much of a pass-first mentality. You can text 630-630, Inside Sports on Chad. News time. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.